Welcome to the Faith and Good Counsel Show, where we talk about ways to live a healthy, virtuous, and joy-filled life amid the challenges of our modern world. And now, your host, Stacy Galino. Hey there, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me here again on the podcast. I'm Stacy Galino, and as always, I'm so happy to be with you today. And I'm happy that you are joining me here today on the podcast, where you know that I like to talk about ways that we can live a joy-filled life in some really challenging circumstances. And I have another topic like that and a fabulous guest to share her story with you today in the area that you're coming to know, I'm sure, that is my wheelhouse, those those very difficult topics, the topics of the heart, the topics um, that speak to our brokenness and our weakness, but the joy and hope and healing that is found in Christ, in Jesus Christ, the divine physician, in the love of God the Father and through the Holy Spirit. So I'm really, really excited about my guest today, Dawn Eden, who will be sharing with us her story and her witness and her beauty and how she has come to a place of healing and continuing to be healed of sexual wounds through the Catholic Church, through her faith, and knowing that she is a beloved daughter of the Most High God. And I want you to know that, that you are a beloved child, whether you're male or female. I hope for you, my desire for you is to know that you are a beloved child of God the Father, no matter what has happened to you or no matter what path you have chosen in your life. God the Father is waiting. He is waiting for you with open arms in love and mercy. So that's what this podcast is about. Not just this episode, but the whole thing, y'all. This is my passion. This is what I love to talk about. This is what I love to share. So do please visit after the show, stacygalino.com, and you'll find show notes for this episode. You can also leave me a question or comment at the Ask Stacy button, and I'll look forward to connecting with you there. So let me tell you a little bit about Dawn Eden. First of all, I do want you to go to the Faith and Good Counsel show. You can connect there at my website, stacygalino.com. Dawn and I recently did a show on her brand new book. Dawn is an author, a speaker, a podcaster, has a beautiful apostolate. And very soon we will be able to call her Dr. Dawn Eden. She has just successfully defended her dissertation at Mundenline Seminary. I'm just so thrilled, thankful to God for her apostolate. But let me tell you, the episode on Faith and Good Counsel that she shared with us, Remembering God's Mercy, it's her brand new book, um, Embracing the Wisdom of St. Ignatius and Pope Francis. Dawn's apostolate has to do with healing from sexual trauma, childhood sexual abuse. And this brand new book has to do, it really speaks to every heart, any person that has painful memories and has to do with redeeming the past and freeing yourself from painful memories. So you can get a copy of that through Ave Maria Press or any of your local Catholic bookstores. We love to give our patronage to our local Catholic bookstores and support their apostolates. So as I mentioned, Dawn Eden is an author. She's come a long way since she was an author for the New York Post, I have to say, and uh, doing beautiful work as a speaker, sharing her story and connecting very painful experiences in her past with the healing and mercy of Christ in the Catholic Church. And so I want to bring Dawn onto the show where we can begin to speak about your story. Dawn, thank you so much for being with me today. 
Thanks so much for having me on, Stacey. It's a pleasure. Well, you know, Dawn, I was recently participating in a Divine Mercy novena, both as a musician and as a recipient of Divine Mercy with a very holy priest. This is something we do each year, and his homilies are always so moving and beautiful. And during week eight, he was speaking specifically about forgiveness and painful memories and betrayal of trust by loved ones. And there was something that he said that, boy, I have to tell you, it was a bit of a thorn in my heart. And he, I had to sit with that because I don't know how other people received it, but for myself and maybe for you coming from your experience, it took me a second to write myself, but he says, how we respond to hurts caused by others is more important than what they did to us. But that's Beautiful. really true. It is. And I think, Dawn, Eden, your response to what has happened to you and choices that you made in the manifestation from your own wounds the pain therein, your response to that is a gift to us. And I want to say, I am a recipient of the mercy you pour out and the love that you pour out in your work as speaker, author, now soon to be Dr. Dawn Eden. Your books um, are fabulous, not just Remembering God's Mercy, your brand new book that everyone can benefit from, but your previous works, My Peace I Give to You, Healing Sexual Wounds with the Help of the Saints, and prior to that, The Thrill of the Chaste, Finding Fulfillment While Keeping Your Clothes On. I have to say, Dawn, the first time that I read through my piece I give you, it was really hard, you know, it's hard to describe to you the emotion, but there were a lot of tears, but there was also this beauty of kinship because... Praise God. Yes, praise God, because there was at least one other person on earth who gets it. And that's you. you. That's you. You understand the damage done to our hearts and our bodies and our souls and our minds and how we get off track from our own identity. But you have just immersed into the beauty that is our faith. And you take us through that, how we can truly come to healing and receiving the love and communion and mercy and our true identity with which we were created through yeah, through the saints. And so I would like to stop talking, Dawn, and let you start talking. Would you tell us your story? Maybe take us from childhood to just before your conversion into the church, because I want to delve a little bit there with you. Sure. Well, I was born into a a Reformed Jewish household, uh, Reformed Judaism being the more uh, liberal branch of of Judaism, so light observance. Uh, And my parents split up uh, when I was five, and my sister and I were raised by our mother. Uh, And in my piece I give you, uh, I don't go into detail about the abuse I suffered. I just mention it so that readers will know that I'm in solidarity Mm -hmm. with them. But I did suffer abuse for the first time shortly after my parents' separation when I was five. I was abused by an adult man outside the home. And when I told my mother about what had happened, uh, she uh, responded saying, you let him do that to you. Mm. And, and, you know, Stacey, I I was five years old, so, you know, you can imagine you know, what that uh, did to me as a young child, it, um, 
it added layers of guilt where I internalized this shame, which I now realize was terribly misplaced because children are never responsible for their abuse. And I'm sure you know that as a, yes. you know that very well as a psychologist, uh, that regardless of whether the abuse was perpetrated by an adult or by a peer, uh, children are not at an age where they are fully cognizant of what is going on or whether they're strong enough to stop it or whether even capable of giving true informed consent. Uh, So, you know, certainly the shame I had was misplaced, but just the same, I did internalize it. And then because I had been abused at such a young age, that left me more vulnerable to further abuse, which is something else that I'm sure you're familiar with that those who have already been victimized are for various reasons uh, more vulnerable. And predators know that. Right. Um, and they, they can smell it, uh, Dawn. Yes. They that, can yes, smell that, it. That's absolutely right. They, mm-hmm. they can. And so they will prey upon those whom they deem to be most vulnerable. So I was later abused in the home, and it was by um, one boyfriend in particular of my mother. And But more than that, I lived in what I would call a sexually porous household where I wasn't well uh, protected from uh, adult nudity or sex talk uh, or adult um, drug and mm-hmm. and alcohol abuse. So, you know, these things led me to, as a teenager and young adult, to a lack of strongly grounded sense of self. I knew that I wanted love, but I didn't realized that I was lovable simply for who I was. And I Mm. had no idea of the infinite value that I had in Christ. So I was seeking love and things that were not love in relationships that were not love. And I just thank God that when I was 31 through the grace of conversion, uh, the Lord brought me to understand the, the value that I have in Christ. Amen. Amen, Dawn. So many points that you're you're making here that just speak to my own heart and I know so many of my listeners and just the souls in general that I have encountered over my career as and I'm actually a psychiatric nurse practitioner so I, I, did, I did want to share that with you okay. I know most people do say psychologist but it it is a different discipline um, certainly related and overlap there but I um, did want to make that important distinction but you know Dawn you describe a history both direct and indirect of sexual trauma. And I, I, the statistics are astounding of the number of people that with reported, and I emphasize the word reported sexual trauma, it is far more widespread than we can even fathom. And so we have a society of walking wounded people. I will include myself in that pot. And I would dare to say it would be the vast majority of people in this day and time in the post-sexual revolution and the culture that we're living in. But can you go a little more deeply to help someone understand what sexual trauma does to your thinking, does to your identity, you know, in terms of shame and trust, the betrayal of trust, the rejection that you feel when you go to a, you know, first of all, a trusted adult does something so intimately perverse to you. And then you go to another trusted adult who rejects. 
I mean, it, this really messes our hearts and our minds up and it really, it sets our identity off on a different path, leading us to allow ourselves to be used, which is kind of what happened to you. But can you kind of take us through the distorted thoughts a little bit? Would that be uh, something that you could do to help maybe our listeners connect some dots here? Well, in my book, My Peace, I Give You Healing Sexual Wounds with the Help of the Saints, I actually do describe that, but I describe it more through the lives of saints who suffered childhood sexual abuse or childhood trauma, and I describe how they brought their wounds to Christ and found healing in Christ. Um, sometimes it's easier to describe things through literature than in a few words, I think that all the things that you've said with regard to the trail of, of, of trust are the central things that can cause wounds because people lose sight of what level of responsibility they had. They tend to blame themselves for things that they really didn't have control over. And then because of this misplaced guilt, it becomes harder for them to bring their wounds to Christ because they live in this sort of gray area. You know, if I commit some sin now and I go through an examination of conscience, meaning I ask myself what sins I've committed and I realize I have this sin on my conscience and then I go to confession, I can be completely clean of that sin. But if I have certain wounds where I'm not sure how much I'm responsible for them and how much I'm not, then it becomes hard to bring those into the confessional and to feel completely clean. So in my books, my piece I give you, and also my new book, Remembering God's Mercy, Redeem the Past and Free Yourself from Painful Memories, I talk about how God wants us to bring all those wounds, both the wounds of our sins and the wounds that are from others' sins against us or the wounds of our suffering because of illness or other pain. God wants us to bring all those wounds to his divine mercy. And I also advise, Stacey, that when we confess, if we're not sure how responsible we are for something, all we have to do is to say, and I have this wound that goes back to when I suffered abuse. And, you know, one can even say, and I think that perhaps this most recent sin I did partly out of a compulsion mm-hmm. arising from this abuse. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how responsible I am for it, but I repent to God for any and all responsibility that I may have had. And if I've acted out of a wound, then I ask God to send his grace into that wound. You can say that in the confessional and priests understand and they appreciate your willingness to bring all those wounds to Christ and just lift them up for him to give his grace. Amen. And you know, Dawn, I, I just love hearing you say this because it, it ministers to my own heart. I do something really, it's the same, but I speak it in my own words, just like you speak mm-hmm. it in your own words, that I will, something will, perhaps there's been a, a certain sin committed, but I think in terms of connecting dots, you know, and why I want to know why I committed this sin so that I will not do this again. Do you know, Mm -hmm. as part of our healing and I will bring it to the priest and say, sometimes Dawn, I'm confused about where the sin really is, but I know there's something there and I can't articulate it. And so I simply offer that to Christ to say, I know there's something there, but I can't give it word. I can't explain it and articulate, but I lay it, I lay it here before you, Lord, and, you know, asking forgiveness for the perpetrator and and whatever it is. But sometimes we can't even 
get that specific. And yet God knows the intention yeah. of our heart. And if it's pure, that pure intention of, of wanting to confess it, he forgives it. It's beautiful and it's so healing and there's nothing else like it. Yes, yes, that's right. Praise God. And in my books, in all my books, actually, I recommend having a regular spiritual director if you can. Sometimes people can't find a spiritual director. You know, in that case, just finding a good confessor Mm -hmm. and seeing the confessor regularly, like every couple weeks or so, depending on how often you need to confess. With that, you can have the similar benefits to having a spiritual director. The great thing about having a spiritual director is that he knows something about your background and can help you to recognize situations where you may not be letting God in your life as much as you need to. Right. Absolutely. And we want him in every shred of our DNA. (laughs) Amen. I mean, we just want him. all. That's the way. That's the way. So I love that you said earlier, and this is one of the things that I love about, first of all, your writing is it itself is a tremendous gift. The gift that God gave you you of, of putting words and concepts and beauty, may I say, together. But you tell your story through the saints. And it is a way um, coming from, you know, I've not shared my story openly, but I'm also a, um, a traumatized individual. I will, I am comfortable saying that from different perspectives. And my story is different than yours, Dawn, as is everyone's uh, has unique aspects to it. But your book, you, you know, sometimes you, it's too painful to look back right? It's way too painful. However, your book is like a balm, and we can, reading it, receive the word, the healing from God through the beauty of the saints, through the beauty of now St. John Paul II and his theology of the body and scripture and just the way that you weave. God has helped you through his spirit to weave your healing in a way that those of us who need it desperately can receive it and not be afraid and not be further wounded. I mean, yeah. And so it's a tremendous gift and it's given me inspiration Dawn to move forward with some things as well that I need to do. But one of the things I've listened to many of your talks, which I'd love my listeners to know are available on your podcast is it the Dawn Patrol? I've, I've, um, oh, oh or, well, well, you mean my my blog, uh, the Dawn Patrol? Yes, that's at dawneden.blogspot.com. That's d a w n e d e n dot blogspot dot com. And yes, and you're also on iTunes because I'm I'm subscribed there, and I oh, have. Great. Yeah, did you know that? <laughs> you're on yes, iTunes. I did know that. I haven't added anything there for a while. I need to add some new stuff, but I'm I'm very I'm very glad that that you listened to me there. If you go to my blog, dawneden.blogspot.com, and you click on the audio video tab at the top, you'll find a link on that page to my iTunes account. Amen. And I am subscribed, and and hopefully my listeners will go there and listen to. I've listened to every word, and these are talks that you have given in the past few years, healing through the Sacred Heart, healing through Divine Mercy, sharing your story with seminarians and and other wounded souls, and and just beautiful gift there, treasure as well that you can listen to while you're on the go. But you mention often, Dawn, in your speaking that you have a diagnosis. You have a diagnosis of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, 
which would not be a surprise given your story. And I'm wondering if you, uh, I've not heard you speak about this, and I, I have the question of how you came to be diagnosed and how you would say your treatment has been characterized by an integration of secular gifts in the medical and psychiatric community as well as through the Catholic faith, because I think your story really is the epitome of that. Well, uh, yes, you know, what you're saying is correct. I was diagnosed in 2007 by a psychiatrist, and I had been to many therapists and psychiatrists over the years, including a former president of the American Association of Suicidology Professionals, and certainly uh, the psychiatrists that I saw in the past should have been able to diagnose it. And, and the non-psychiatry professionals should have known enough to recommend me for diagnosis of that. And they could have recommended me to someone who was qualified enough to do a diagnosis. But nobody did. And I think this is very common, unfortunately, for victims of childhood sexual abuse and probably for victims of other kinds of trauma as well, where their PTSD gets misdiagnosed as major depression or as being bipolar Mm -hmm. because there are similarities with the symptoms. But unfortunately, those who are making the diagnosis don't really ask about trauma or take into account the effects of trauma. Uh, So finally, I had this psychiatrist who understood what it was and told me. And once he told me, it made sense. Now, I had not thought that I had PTSD because I thought that flashbacks were like you see in the Vietnam movies where someone actually, you know, hears the gunfire as though it's there. And I thought, well, I never actually disappear during my flashbacks. I'm always, or during my, you know, painful experiences, I, I, I don't actually relive it, the experiences visually or with auditory hallucinations or mm-hmm. something. So I didn't realize that one can still have flashbacks without those kinds of, you know, hallucinatory things or mm-hmm. without being transported back. Right. But in fact, one can have, there's a particular word for it, and I forget what the word is, but one can have flashbacks, which are simply the bodily reaction as if the trauma were still going on, where one has that adrenaline rush and that fight or flight uh, reaction. And that is a flashback. And moreover, there are symptoms of PTSD that are not flashbacks. Um, in order to have PTSD, you can't just have one symptom. It has to be diagnosed through a, a constellation of four or more symptoms, I believe. And those symptoms besides flashbacks can include being hypersensitive or, you know, they might say hypervigilant where you're easily startled uh, right. or being teary or suffering from sadness or anxiety. A good professional should be able to identify whether those symptoms add up to PTSD. Right. And with regard to how I was treated for it, I didn't actually stay with the psychiatrist who treated me because there were some things that he did afterwards that just led me to not want to continue seeing, seeing him. It, it wasn't anything actionable, but just, you know, it wasn't a good fit. Yes, I was um, just about to say it probably became a good fit. There, became, there came a point when you realized this is not a good fit for me. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, although it is important to try to stay with a therapist 
as much as we you know, reasonably can if that therapist is in a position to help us. It's up to us to discern whether a certain therapist has outlived his or her helpfulness or, or usefulness. And if that's the case, then it's our responsibility to get help some other way. What I ended up doing was actually reading a lot of Archbishop Sheen. And I don't recommend this to everyone in the sense that, while I do think everyone should read Archbishop Sheen, I don't recommend that everyone simply go without getting therapy for a while, as Mm -hmm. I have. Uh, I think that, in general, it's important to supplement whatever spiritual work you're doing with therapy if you're a victim or survivor of abuse. For me, I was no longer a danger to myself or a danger to others, and I was functioning at a very high level in terms of being able to accomplish what I needed to accomplish in school and work. So I looked at my whole range of how was I performing in life, and I saw that since I was functioning at a high level and not dangerous to myself or anyone, Mm -hmm. that I could do some self-therapy through good reading and also through having a spiritual director. I never stopped having a spiritual director. And the spiritual director, I also count on to tell me if I'm exhibiting behavior that's out of his competence and that needs to be, you know, in the care of a of a psychologist. And a good spiritual director will tell you that too. And if he tells you that, then you've got to listen. (laughs) Absolutely. This is, you're you're speaking so beautifully through your experience of the collaboration that happens when a person engages in an integrated approach to problems like this. Oh, oh, yes. And And at times when I have seen a therapist and a spiritual director, I've authorized my therapist and spiritual director to speak to one another. And you can do that as long as, you know, you're the one authorizing. It's in your power to give permission to your caregivers, whether they're spiritual or psychological, to communicate with one another. Also, during this time when I began to seek healing and was reading Archbishop Sheen, I was staying close to the sacraments. I was confessing every couple of weeks, as I still do, and uh, was receiving the Eucharist going to Mass regularly on certainly on Sundays and eventually with my spiritual director's encouragement I started going to daily mass too and that's become very important for my well-being you know doctors nowadays will often recommend daily meditation and they'll recommend what they call you know yoga or mindfulness or stuff but in fact all the benefits of what doctors call meditation you can receive at daily mass yes. because that's a time to be silent and to get outside of your own head and your own worries and to really center yourself on something that is very good and calming for you, namely the presence of Christ. Amen. I was just about to say we receive the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity within our bodies. There is no other healing like that. This is beautiful, Dawn. Well, I, I, again, I'm speaking today with Dawn Eden. She is the author of a brand new book meant for every soul, because, you know, every soul has some kind of painful memory, or we know someone that we love that needs this wisdom, remembering God's mercy, embracing the wisdom of St. Ignatius and Pope Francis. I 
powerful book that you can also hear an interview with uh, Dawn on the Faith and Good Counsel show that we that she graced me with recently. I'm so grateful that will be airing shortly. And then she has two prior books that are two of my they're in my arsenal, y'all. And I recommend them often. The Thrill of the Chaste as well as my piece, I give you healing sexual wounds with the help of the saints. And that's actually where I want to go in our final few minutes, Dawn, is, you know, I want to leave the show with a sense of hope. Um, We could talk about brokenness and get very detailed about history and things that have happened to us, but we don't want to stay there. We don't want to stay there. God does not want us to stay there. He wants to bring us to healing and hope. And so if I could, you know, one of the saints that I learned so much more about is St. Josephine Bakita. And I thought it would be really wonderful to speak about her in terms of how you addressed your healing through her witness. She suffered horrific horrific abuse. Like I wept over and over again, and I've just developed a heart for her. So maybe talk, if you would, about St. Josephine Bakita and what she's meant to you in your healing. Well, St. Josephine Bakita's story is terrifically inspiring. She was, as a child, uh, living in what's now Sudan back in the 1860s, 1870s. She was kidnapped from her home by slave traders. And by the time she was in her late teens, she had been bought and sold several times. And many of her owners, well, well, actually, all her owners until she was about 16, 17, were terribly abusive. And she uh, had one owner who beat her so badly that for the rest of her life, she bore more than 100 scars oh my goodness. Uh, on, her, on her body from this abusive owner. And eventually she was sold to an Italian family that did not abuse her. And it was while she was with this Italian family that she learned through a friend of the family about Jesus. And then when the family had to go out of town on business, she was left at a convent. And at that convent, she realized that she wanted to be received into the church. And when the family came back from business, she demanded her freedom. And because she was by then in Italy, where slavery was illegal, she was able to gain her freedom. And uh, she became a sister at that same convent. And she just became a, a real rock for those around her and a great model of forgiveness. As you know, Stacy, forgiveness does not mean excluding the evil. It means no longer permitting the evil to have power over us. And when we cling to resentment, we are, in fact, enabling the abuser to maintain his or her power over us. When we let go of the resentment and we pray for our abusers and commend our abusers to God's mercy, then we are freed from that hold and we are able to then share our freedom with others. And that's really what St. Josephine Bikita became. She became a beacon of the freedom and liberty that we have in Christ. That brings me to another recollection. You, Dawn, more than anyone else, and I'm reading all the time. I'm, I've, I just do. That's what I do. I study, I read, I research. And it's just part of, it's probably what you do too. But you, I think more than anyone that I've ever read, has such an understanding of the distinction between forgiveness and reconciliation. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that is a very important point. 
Yes. Well, forgiveness is interior and reconciliation is a two-way street. We are called to forgive everyone who ever harmed us. But if that person is still abusive, we're not called to reconcile with that person because God doesn't call us to do things that are beyond our own power. And only we can judge whether we are safe enough around a person to be willing to make the overture to reconcile with that person. But we can always forgive. And in the catechism, it says that uh, forgiveness, the heart of forgiveness, is asking the Holy Spirit that dwells in us through our baptism to forgive. Uh, When we do that, we know that we've truly forgiven. And sometimes, you know, like Jesus says, we may have to forgive 70 times 7. We may have to forgive the same person 70 times 7. But every time that we commend that person to the Holy Spirit, we know that we are making a true act of forgiveness and we can take comfort that we are doing God's will, even if it's something that we have to do again and again. And yet it can be so confusing for many psychological and emotional reasons, especially if the abuse is ongoing and especially when it's kind of hidden, kind of insidious, when it's more emotional or psychological. There are no direct blows or something like sexual abuse where you feel guilty and you feel like, oh, but I love that person. It's sort of a pathological attachment that you have and you you wonder if I'm supposed to reconcile and I feel that I've forgiven. I've forgiven. I have that pure intention. I, I don't feel anger or wish harm against this person, but I feel guilty and maybe I should, you know, reconcile. Sometimes, and this is something that must be discerned with a priest, with spiritual direction, with your therapist, all of the above, individually and collectively, whether reconciliation is the most loving and merciful action or not. Yes, and as you say, that's that's an act of discernment. And one thing that we have to discern is whether we are an occasion of sin for the other person. Because if we're an occasion of sin for the other person, then the most loving thing to do is to limit our contact uh, with that person until we can be more certain that we're not just triggering the other person to be sinful and abusive. Mm. Uh, You know, at the same time, with discernment, we can discern when it's appropriate to give the other person a chance to be good, a chance to be kind. And and I think, you know, we all need a chance to be kind. and, And we only get that if other people give us that chance. Yes, absolutely. Beautifully. This was, I'm so glad we, we talked about that, Dawn. That was one area that I wanted to be sure that we included because it, it is one of, it's a real stumbling block and a sticking point for so many people and also an area of confusion between that distinction between forgiveness and reconciliation. And I think you just, you just pierced right through the darkness with that. So thank you. Thank Thank you you for that. Praise God. If anyone is interested in learning more about that distinction, that's in chapter five of my book, My Peace. I give you healing sexual wounds with the help of the saints. Yes. And again, a book that I highly, highly recommend. Um, there's so much um, treasure to draw from in that book. Even if you haven't experienced a story like Dawn's, just reading about the saints and that particular aspect, that particular lens of so many saints, saints even that were unfamiliar to me is in itself a treasure. And so Dawn, I wanted to, as our final talking point here, I wanted to 
remind our listeners that you have just defended your doctoral thesis. You will very shortly be Dr. Dawn Eden. Yes, that's Congratulations. Right. God, thank you. Woo! I know you're just like, woo. So tell us what your thesis was and how this will change your apostolate if in any way, how it will be even more fruitful as Dr. Dawn Eden. Oh, well, thank you. Well, my dissertation was on recent magisterial teaching on redemptive suffering from Pius XII through the present day with uh, Pope Francis. And uh, now that I'm earning a doctorate in sacred theology, I'll actually be teaching beginning this fall at a Catholic seminary in England. So I'll be preparing men for the priesthood and uh, teaching systematic theology. Uh, So I'm very excited about that, very thankful. And I'd like to ask your listeners' prayers as I prepare for the move. And, And I hope once I get settled to continue to write on healing. Dawn, can you imagine? I'm just sitting here thinking, Dawn Eden, the rock journalist covering for New York Post, <laughs> to now teaching at a seminary, you know, holy young men answering the call in England. I mean, can you, that if that's not God's grace and mercy, I don't know what is. It really is amazing, and I just thank thank God because He's certainly taken me to places that I couldn't have uh, have imagined. Oh well, I I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for. I know you're a busy, busy lady. Hopefully, getting some rest now that you've just defended your your thesis, yes. uh, taking a little time yes. off. It's nice to have a bit of a breather. That's true. Oh well, I, I just I'm I'm so grateful to you, and I know my listeners will be as well. And let's uh, tell people about your website. It's Dawn Eden, just like it sounds. E D E N Dawn Eden dot blogspot.com and there you can see her beautiful countenance looking so cute on her recent trip to <laughs> Ireland with her cute little hat Thank on. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yes, and they can check out your books there and order them perhaps and also listen to your podcast and your talks. Anything else that I missed that you want people to know about? Well, just that in my new book, Remembering God's Mercy, I'm writing not only for people who have suffered trauma, but also for their families. And in Remembering God's Mercy, the angle is that I'm writing for people who need healing from any kind of wound of the past. So, you know, whereas in my piece I give you, I was writing for victims of childhood sexual abuse. Remembering God's Mercy is for them, but it's also for children of divorce. It's for veterans. It's for recovering addicts, Mm -hmm. uh, just for anyone seeking healing from any painful wound. And in it, I draw upon the Jesuit spirituality of Pope Francis and the Mm. Jesuit saints whom he admires. Well, you are a treasure, Dawn Eden. God bless you. God bless you. I look forward to seeing the the fruit that will be born from all of, of your suffering Um, your yes to God and your brand new designation shortly to be called Dr. Dawn Eden. Thank you so much for being with us here. God bless you too, Stacey. It's a joy to be on. And to you, my dear listeners, I'll see you next time here on the Faith and Good Counsel Show. Pax Christi, y'all. Bye-bye now.